Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Kingswood Investment Strategy Conference Call. My name is Lee Philpott, and I'm the Head of Wealth at Kingswood, and today I'm going to be hosting the session and supplying the questions which have been submitted in advance to two of our experts within the business, Rupert Thompson, who is our Chief Investment Officer, and Paul Sergei, who heads up the investment management team. Last week, we spent some time discussing the macroeconomic and market impact of coronavirus. And we're going to cover that at the beginning of today's call, but then focus more on what that means for our client portfolios and how we're positioning them at this point in time. So if I start with you, Rupert, perhaps you can give us a quick update of events over the last week or so and your current macroeconomic outlook. Sure. Um, well, I think probably you know a good way of, sort of characterizing things at the moment is that you've got two sort of massive opposing forces battling it out. Um, on the positive side, You've got massive uh, stimulus measures being launched by the authorities and you had sort of further action over the past week. Um, in the States, you've now had a fiscal stimulus package totaling $2 trillion, which is sort of around 9% of GDP, so pretty impressive. You've seen the Federal Reserve taking steps now, which it didn't even do in the global financial crisis. And obviously over here, we've had further measures to support the economy, particularly the self-employed. So that's a positive news. But then on the other side, you are looking at a very, very sharp drop in economic activity because of these lockdown measures. And you're probably looking at a decline of you know, 10% of GDP, which is a bigger decline than you saw back in the global financial crisis. Um, that's the bad news. The good news is that because of these massive stimulus measures, even though this recession now looks like it's going to be deeper than what you saw 10 years ago, it should actually be much shorter. Um, the authorities can't do much about sort of limiting the short-term down in activity, downturn in activity, but what they can do and what they are doing is trying to limit the damage, the long-term damage done to the economies. And we think they're doing you know, all they can. And on the back of that, and this is absolutely critical, basically our view is still that, sure, you're going to have a big downturn in activity in the next few months, but things should be recovering in the second half of the year. Thanks, Ruth. As a follow-up question, given that um, fallback in economic activity, uh, we've been asked about our views on inflation. The news today that the oil price has fallen back to 18-year lows. So where do you see that get going? Well, inflation, this, I mean, it's a big question longer term, whether all of this fiscal stimulus, massive monetary stimulus, and basically you've now got the authorities directly um, pumping money into the economy or financing budget deficit directly, whether this causes inflation down the road. And it has to be said, 10 years ago, back in the financial crisis, you had exactly the same concerns, that all this money was going to fuel a big rise in inflation. In fact, you know, you've had exactly the opposite. So far from the central banks struggling to contain inflation over the last few years, if anything, they've been struggling to generate inflation. And I think this is going to remain the case. I mean, short term, as you say, the oil price collapse is a big downward force on inflation. And sort of even in the medium term, all of these global deflationary forces you've had in place for the last few years, they very much remain there. So on a very long term view, this does raise um, the risk and inflation picks up significantly. But certainly for the next year or two, it's simply not an issue. Okay, thank you. Paul, what do you think all of this means for markets? Um, yeah, well, I think um, you know, perhaps just talk about a little bit about last week, and, and you know, pleasingly, markets uh, recovered some of the losses that, that we've seen. Uh, the, the week began with the FTSE opening at 
4,860, uh, which is you know, pretty much 30% down from the start of the year. So you know, not not quite uh, as far down as the, the bear markets that we saw uh, in the tech boom or, or in the financial crisis. Um, but by the end of the week, um, pulling a, you know, a bit of a, a roller coaster ride, um, we settled at uh, five and a half thousand, you know, so some 13% um, in the week. Um, on the other side of the coin, we also saw bond markets recovering somewhat, um, although more in the region of about, about 5% uh, rather than the low double digits that we saw from, from many equity markets. So, um, you know, this is probably somewhat expected, you know, considering the falls that they'd also suffered in, in the downturn. Um, you know, we saw some strength in sterling as well, uh, with the moves beginning sort of you know, late Tuesday night as the more formal lockdowns announced by Boris Johnson. And, and in fact, you know, the 25th, the day after, the announcement that's that's when we saw the the largest uh, positive moves uh, across across UK assets. So, you know, I guess you know, in, in summary, a much more positive week in markets. Um, but you know, I think you know, we really do expect that we're going to see you know, further sharp moves, and those both could be positive and they, and they could both be negative. Uh, and really, it's just going to be driven by by news flow and not, and not necessarily you know, fundamentals in the short term. I think that's a really interesting point, the speed that markets are moving around with very big um, short-term moves. How, how do your respective teams interact with each other um, to, to best uh, position client portfolios? Rupert, maybe you can answer first. Well, sure, is we interact very closely. Um, so sort of we've got the central investment team. Uh, we have a weekly um, investment update meeting every Monday. We had it this morning which all the investment managers and wealth planners attend. So they're very much, as it were, on board with what we're thinking um, is going on and how portfolios should be positioned. And the other point is, you know, we are on the same floor with the investment managers. So it's a day-to-day interaction. Obviously, following, um, given we're all now working from home, it's working on a slightly different basis. But still, we have a weekly meeting. I have a daily call with Paul. And then, you know, in the background, we've still got our formal, more informal investment policy committees going on in the background, which happen on a monthly, quarterly basis. So in a nutshell, there's a very close um, connection between what, as we were saying, the central investment team and what the investment managers um, are doing. Paul, and the same question to you, I guess, especially working from remote locations, how can you ensure that there's a consistency across the investment managers in, in the team in terms of what we're doing for our clients? Yeah, I think uh, you know Rupert covered quite nicely. Um, you know the interaction that, that that we have. So you know it's a fairly fairly formal call between myself and Rupert and the, and the central investment team in the morning, and then I follow that up with a call uh, with with the investment managers as well. So you know making sure that we we share um, all of the information and and, and just you know Rupert mentioned you know, usually we're on we're on the same floor, and you know my my team sit uh, around the same bank of desk. So you know there's usually a good flow of discussion. Uh, happening and you know we, we want to keep that going and um, so you know we do that um, with a with a morning a morning call where we all debate um, you know the recent market moves or also you know, what, what clients are feeding back to us what clients want to see uh, and any concerns that they've got uh, and then that all goes into the into the pot um, you know, for us to discuss you know, on, a, on an ongoing basis and it's a it's a very different environment to work in but uh, you know, I think we got it working very very quickly uh, you know and and um, you know, the, the wizardry of technology has been, been put, has been you know, incredibly helpful for that. Hey, thank you. 
One of the most uh, popular questions has been around what, what is a discretionary portfolio and how is that different to the, the current advisory portfolio that I, that I have? So, Paul, maybe you can just talk about some of the differences and some of the, the benefits of the two approaches. Um, yeah, sure. So I saw some of those um, uh, questions coming in. And I think if, if I take it back one step back and you know, think about sort of human psychology, and I think we're, you know, we're all programmed as, as human beings to have a much greater aversion to losses than a, than a desire for gains. So you know, this is where risk profiling is, uh, is born out of. And, you know, and, and done properly, what it gives us is um, how we can get a, you know, a tolerance uh, for, for loss for a client, which is, which is you know, the key factor when, when we're discussing you know, new investments or existing uh, investments. Um, now, you know, most of these are often obviously uh, completed uh, in, in much calmer times. Um, you know, and um, what it what it means is that uh, you know, as a client, you can delegate uh, you know the responsibility of managing that downside risk uh, to us. And um, so, once clients sort of work with um, you know, hopefully an investment manager coupled with a wealth planner to give that overall view, and um, you know, we we build portfolios that are designed not only to give you know a level of growth over time, depending on the risk profile, but also a maximum a maximum downside. Um, you know, I think you know, perhaps if I put that in, in, in real world terms, you know, if, if we expect a sort of balanced portfolio, which is which is a medium risk, uh, to fall no more than half of the overall equity market fall. Um, so if we you know think about the largest equity market fall that I mentioned earlier, which is about fifty percent, then you know a balanced portfolio is built to you know deliver no more than a twenty five percent percent loss. Um, However, and one of the questions uh, I think that came out came out last week as well was about moving risk profiles, um, and this is the sort of important point that um, you know a loss is only sort of crystallised if if one you know, sells at these levels. And whereas you know, history has shown that you know this that isn't the, the, the case to be, and that's why we have the, the risk profile in place so that we can understand where those falls might be and how long they might take uh, to recover. Um, and so the other part of that question, you know, maybe advisory versus versus discretionary. Um, so, so in terms of actual you know, risk profiling, there aren't any real uh, major differences there. Um, the, the main difference of for the discretionary offers clients is you know the speed uh, that we can react. So sort of from from decision to execution in a discretionary portfolio, you know, we can act in a matter of hours, meaning you know we can really can capture the opportunities immediately. Uh, whereas you know, for advisory clients, you know the process is much more cumbersome you know, on our behalf, uh, you know, and of course, you know the the RN clients uh, can you know, can take you know, weeks or, or even you know, a little bit further into months to get those changes through. When you know the opportunities, as, as you know, the three of us have already mentioned, um, you know, will come and will come and go very quickly uh, in in this environment. Um, so those of you who were on the call last week, again putting this into a real world example. And uh, remember Rupert, you know, talking about rebalancing portfolios. So for discretionary portfolios, uh, we made a decision to buy into some of our existing equities um, where we continue to hold our conviction they perform well over the medium term, but had simply just been buffeted by what was going on in markets. And, and therefore, we were still appropriate assets, but were much, um, much cheaper. So really, that you know, that that is that, that's the key difference is is the timeliness and you know, an effective manner in that we can make changes to to react when markets are moving like moving like this. 
Thanks. Briefly, maybe if I could just ask you to, to pick up on some of those comments, particularly around uh, the ongoing management rebalancing was mentioned there, uh, acting quickly in terms of different asset classes. But I guess it isn't just the situation where we're constantly buying and selling and changing portfolios. It is, it is a long-term view still. So can you just give us some context around that, perhaps? Mayor McCarty, right. I mean, I sort of sure we want to be able to react quickly, execute quickly when we've taken our decision, but certainly we're not sort of day traders and very much our emphasis is on the medium to longer term. But, you know, having said that, this is a very fast moving environment at the moment. The situation change is changing daily. The markets are seeing 5 to 10% moves and we do want to be able to sort of take advantage of any opportunities which come up. Um, I mean, just in terms of, just a bit more detail in terms of how and when we actually do um, move into equities in a bigger way. As Paul said, and I said last week, we have sort of um, added a bit to equities in the last uh, two or three weeks, but not in big size. Um, I mean, near term, the news flow is definitely going to be pretty grim. Um, you're going to have increasingly, large, you're going to have the economic numbers showing a big drop off. You're going to have grim news coming out of corporations, news of some bankruptcies and all the rest of it. But I think the key point is that a lot of this bad news is now discounted in the market. And we're, what we're focused much more on is not thinking about should we be selling now. Essentially, we're very much of the view that you shouldn't be. It's more a case of when should you actually be adding to equities in significant size. And the kind of things we're looking at, um, which we think are absolutely critical, the news flow is going to be grim, but in a sense, it's rear view mirror. It's already in the price. Um, what you really need to focus on is when you're going to see a peak in infection rates, when you're going to see these lockdown ease, and that in turn is what you're going to need in order to see activity to pick up. So we don't think we're there yet, but certainly in the next few weeks, hopefully in the next few weeks rather than the next few months, we will be looking to move overweight. Um, and our sort of key thing at the moment is you've got to hold your nerve. It's uncomfortable, but from a long-term view, we very much think that's the right thing to do. Thank you. I think that really is one of the key points, the ability to act quickly and decisively at the right time uh, without trying to trade around these markets. We're seeing very significant moves of 10% plus either way in a day. Um, but for us, that, that point about protecting the value of portfolios is, is, is really key. You know, we talk about protecting and growing the wealth of our clients. So, Rupert, maybe you could comment on some of the strategies, some of the portfolio positions we have that enable us to, to protect that downside that Paul was talking about earlier. Yeah, we've got a range of assets in our portfolio to varying degrees, depending on the risk profile of the discretionary portfolios. Um, I mean, first of all, you've got bonds, government bonds. Traditionally, they have been the defensive asset to hold. And certainly, we do hold a significant amount of high-quality uh, corporate bonds and government bonds. Um, and government bonds particularly have held up or done pretty well in this sell-off. Um, also, we've got some gold. Um, this is another sort of classic safe haven. Within these kind of circumstances, typically does very well. But as well as that, um, we also hold exposure to uh, an asset class called alternatives. And by alternatives, what you really mean is assets which don't just go up and down in lockstep with equities and bonds. So in theory and hopefully in practice, they will do something rather different. And even if, as it were, bonds are selling off, equities are selling off, the hope is that alternatives will be providing some protection. And we think if you're careful about what you buy, and it has to be said, this is a big asset class, 
it carries a whole host of things under the bonnet, as it were. A lot of them sound great. A lot of them do not um, deliver what they promise. But if you look into this area carefully and I think select the right funds, then this is another source of good protection. And we do have some investments in these areas. Thank you. Paul, could you maybe expand a bit more on the performance of some of our portfolios? Um, you did mention the, the balance strategy in particular there, but um, maybe some of the, the reasons behind that, that good performance relative to, to stock markets. Uh, yeah, first of all, just sort of, you know, start with that uh, that medium risk portfolio and, and, and what it's done. And um, you know, in, in just a moment ago, I was talking about you know risk levels and, and maximum sort of drawdowns and what we might you know expect in, in these kind of environments. So, you know, year to date, you know, um, disappointingly, as, as an, an actual number, um, our medium strategies are down um, to sort of just over twelve percent. Um, but if I sort of compare that to equity markets for the FTSEs as uh, of sort of Friday, it's down 27%. So you're comfortably outperforming that that half uh, you know, half fall that, that um, we we might uh, expect in, in in any other environment. So um, you know, I think Rupert covered you know, uh, a couple of the areas that have, that have really supported us, uh, and that has been you know, some of the gold uh, the gold exposure, um, often seen as a sort of uh, last resort uh, that, that, that people that people go to, and of course that's also been um, supported by by the dollar. So you know, in in times of you know, significant stress, um, you know, investors often flock towards the dollar, and that's certainly something uh, that we've seen over the over the past three weeks. So we've had the benefit of the not only the sort of the asset going up in price, um, but but also um, the, the currency support. Um, in some of the other, some of our other areas, one of our uh, approaches to, to investment is, is not just to sort of think about assets just in regions, as in UK equities or uh, US equities, European equities, but uh, to think about some sort of longer term themes. Um, and, and those are areas that have uh, that have held up very well for us. I and mean, they're not necessarily to de- designed to protect in, in the downturns, but they're designed to generate sort of longer term returns for our for our clients by sort of spotting and getting onto some themes earlier. So um, one of our key themes is um, artificial intelligence, uh, and that that has held up very well. And in fact, you know, it's, it's performed you know uh, by a quarter better than uh, than other equity equity markets. So um, we also uh, looked at a lot of other areas. Um, not, not all unsuccessful. Not everything will work at the same time. Um, but that's the key to sort of building a well diversified portfolio. And, I think if we if we think about that number, uh, that sort of twelve-ish percent versus twenty-seven, um, you know, thus far it, it's worked out for us. Thanks, uh, Paul. You just you use a term there which maybe not all of our uh, listeners will be familiar with, which was which was drawdown. So, do you maybe just want to explain what we mean by that and why that's a really important measure in terms of managing investment portfolios? Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of around protecting. And, and, and apologies for those on the line. You know, we often wrap. Um, uh, our, our industry up in these, these complicated um, phraseologies, but uh, essentially it's, it's about it's the amount that a portfolio will fall um, at, at any any one time. So it's the, it's the, the peak to trough uh, fall, so the maximum value to, to the lowest value over over a period of time. Um, and that's that's an obviously an area that we're always looking to, to defend against because you know something uh, falls by half and in simple mass uh, it's got to double just to get uh, just to get back to where it was so uh, if we can try and protect uh, client monies on the downside um, then the upside naturally looks after itself 
Thank you. And, and Rupert, I think it might have been the last call you gave um, some, some examples of um, how quickly the, these uh, these drawdown periods can be recovered, taking into account uh, the reinvestment of dividend and, and therefore the importance of, of not panicking and, and not missing uh, the, the recovery when it when it arrives. And I don't know if you recall uh, that, that data. Yeah, I mean, in terms of how much markets uh, tend to recover in the sort of first three to six months after the bottom, it's they recover a lot faster than you might think. So the average gain actually in the first three months, I think it's 15 to 20 percent. The average gain um, over the first six months is 25 percent. So it's talking quite you know, chunky numbers. And finally, sort of meaningfully, if you have had a sort of very big set off such as you had in the global financial crisis, you know, UK equities went down over 50 percent. Actually, in terms of equity prices, they'd regained um, their highs within four years. And if you included reinvested dividends, is within three years. So very much you need to be invested at the start of these recoveries, um, because that's typically when you see the sharpest gains. Thank you. I think that just speaks against the importance of sticking to your long-term um, strategy, the risk profile that you are comfortable with. If things change, then of course that should change as well. But uh, try not to be uh, shaken around too much by market moves. Um, we've covered quite a bit today. Uh, maybe just some final thoughts or any further comments that either of you have, Paul? Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think we've, we've covered uh, quite a lot here and I've covered pretty much everything I wanted to do. I'll just maybe summarise that um, you know, what, what we're trying to provide is, is a little bit of peace of mind in, the, in these difficult times. And, you know, we know there are going to be opportunities uh, and, and unfortunately I'm sure there's going to be further humanitarian and and financial concerns as we work our way through this, but um, but that's that's what we're here to deal with, also the latter rather than uh, the, the former. Um, yeah, and if you do have concerns, you know, just please encourage uh, encourage you to get in get in touch with us um, and, and talk through those because uh, that that's the best way through this, um, I think. Rupert, um, on, you. on your side, um, and I guess what I'd say is, you know, these are you know, clearly scary times, very scary times, but. You know, certainly from a market perspective, we do think it is time to hold your nerve. Um, and as I've already said, you know, recession is going to be deep, no question about that. But hopefully, and this is still very much our central expectation, activity should be picking up again later this year. And if that's the case, then as I've already said, markets is typically recover quite fast. And certainly in a year's time, our view is that markets should be higher than where they are now, and possibly quite significantly so. Okay, thank you both. So um, as we've alluded to, some of the portfolios, the diversified approach that we've had in place has done a good job in terms of protecting the capital in what are pretty difficult and fast-moving markets. Um, we're certainly expecting a big hit to uh, global economies, uh, but there will be a recovery at some point in time. We don't know when that'll be, uh, but as Rupert has just explained, those recoveries can be quite quick, quite sharp. And the ability to act quickly, should we need to, is a really important one. So thank you both for your comments today. Uh, we will produce a recording of this uh, conference call, which we'll put on our website. Rupert also produces a weekly update note and a short podcast, which we can send directly to your inboxes. So please come back to your advisor, your investment manager in the usual way. Uh, should we be able to answer any questions or indeed if you'd like copies of those. Um, thank you very much for today and uh, goodbye.